He is risen. Happy Resurrection Sunday, HCBC. Welcome to this online Easter service. Of course, we wish we could gather in person, but we're thankful we can do this. And I'm thankful that at least you can hear my voice, even if I can't see your faces. Although, a little sneak peek, uh, we will have an opportunity to see a few faces um, in a few minutes here. We're going to have uh, some short reflections and testimonies from a few people in our church coming up. Um, first, I wanted to share with you a verse. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17 says, If Christ is not raised from the dead, then we are still in our sins. What we learn from the Bible is that the resurrection is not just the happy ending to the crucifixion story. It's the seal of approval from God the Father, God Almighty, on the sacrifice, the life, the person of Christ. And so the resurrection just has massive importance. And without it, nothing of our faith makes any sense or is worth believing in. And so, this is the biggest day of the Christian year. And um, I hope that your hearts are aglow this morning with joy at the fact that we worship a risen God, a life-giving God, and a God who has conquered death. We worship a Savior who cannot die again. Well, before we get to those testimonies, I have a few short announcements that I want to share with you. First, uh, you will probably have seen in the email that came by that we will be having a discipleship class. And uh, Matt Fraser will be leading that and teaching that. And so uh, I just encourage you to be aware of it and to reach out um, through the channels that uh, the email indicated. I believe it's directly to Matt. Uh, His email, you can find it uh, on that email. And... um, you can sign up there, and I think that'll be really fantastic. It sounds like it'll be a great course. I also want to remind you um, that we have a number of ways to continue giving. Um, and this is an important thing for the church because regardless of all these other circumstances going on in our world right now, uh, we want to keep our eyes focused on the Lord and on the future, and we want to be in a good position moving forward Uh, to be able to continue searching for a new senior pastor and to be able to hire someone. And in order to do that, we need to be in a secure financial position. So I encourage you, if you call HCBC your home church, just to consider um, how you can continue to give generously. I know many of you have been, and so I just want to thank you. Um, And it's... um, It may be a little bit different since it has to be online. So if you have any questions or concerns as to the technical uh, details of how to do that, just reach out to the church office and we'll give you all the help you need uh, to make it as easy and seamless as possible. The easiest way, honestly, if you have a credit card, is just to go to the website hudsonbaptist.ca or .com and to go on uh, the far right-hand side, um, the page where it says Give. And then you've got a couple of options there that you can use. Also, um, you might have noticed, come by from uh, the church, uh, we got an update letter from the Tibbets. And uh, this is the second one that they send. And uh, just really great to read that. So I encourage you to check that out. Take the time to read it. Uh, You can, I don't know about you, but when I read it, I can hear Lorraine's voice. And it brought a smile to my face. Um, And if if you're listening, uh, Rob and uh, Lorraine, um, welcome. And uh, 
wish that we could see you um, and hope that everything works out well for you to return to Canada soon and safely. And lastly, um, if you want to contact the church, you can continue to use all the normal channels, even though Heather's not in the office. Um, she has graciously um, made herself available on a volunteer basis. Um, and so if you call the church office, it'll direct itself to her cell phone and she's answering her emails as promptly and professionally as she always does. And we're so thankful for her and for all of you who continue to make this possible, including the people behind the scenes who are making these videos possible, especially uh, Steve McNeil. A big uh, thank you to him. He's really stepped up and uh, helped us out in a huge way to make these possible. Okay, well, uh, I promised you some testimonies and reflections, so without further ado, I'd like uh, to move on to that. So enjoy those. I'll be back in just a couple minutes. Good morning. We want to wish you a very blessed Good Friday and Easter weekend. And uh, Brenda? We are asked to speak about something really short about what we've um, been contemplating about Easter and um, specifically about Good Friday. Good Friday is the day that Jesus died, and it struck me this week that he knew from the time he was born at what time he was going to die and everything coming up to it. And yet it didn't terrify him to keep him home. It didn't terrify him to not be with people. In fact, the one thing he did was surround himself with friends. When he was most, I don't know if you want to use the word scared or unhappy, he surrounded himself with friends on the last night. Even when he went to pray, he brought his friends with him. And it just struck me how crucial friends were to him and how they should be crucial to us. And I'm just very thankful for my friends, even though we're not getting to see them at this time, to celebrate with them um, Christ's death and, and resurrection. But I'm just very um, touched by the fact that his friends were his priority, even in the end. And um, um, Easter, of course, is that time where we, we take time to really reflect on the fact that God sent a perfect son to earth in human form to allow or to enable or to bring to imperfect human beings um, forgiveness of sin and the ability to enter into right relationship with God. That's what I love about Easter more than anything at all. And uh, at this time, I know that we're all missing each other, and I think, I hope that uh, in the future, church will be that much more um, meaningful to us now that we've had to step aside from it. But uh, God's forgiveness is um, complete and total and overwhelming. The suffering he went through, we, we can't imagine, no matter how hard we try. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Be blessed. So this week, as I reflect on what Christ did for us, it's making me think about what it really means to be Christ-like, which is to give our lives up for others. Especially during this time when we're all reminded of our mortality, it's made me reflect on how well I've given up my life lately. I don't mean just giving up material possessions or money. I mean giving up our pride, our greed, our comfort, our dreams, our time, and our lives. As Jesus said, whoever loses his life will find it. And as Apostle Paul said, use your freedom to serve others. 
and it filled me with sorrow to see that I haven't really been giving up my comfort all my time the way I should be. And in a time like this, it's easier to see that all these things we seek instead don't ever really satisfy. But I'm grateful for the wake-up call that's focused me on this goal of dying to self. I always thought, well, it was different for Jesus. It was easier for him to give up his life because he knew that he'd be in heaven after and of the joy that would follow. But I realized that as Christians, so do we. Hello, we're the Frasers. My name is Anna and this is my dad. For us, Easter is a time of celebration. Two things we do to celebrate are, first, read the Gospel of Mark. It reminds us of what Jesus had do has done for us. And then we watch the Prince of Egypt because it's a family tradition and every time we see it, it shows how God frees his people. For us, we really do want Easter to be a celebration in various different ways, whether it be Easter eggs or watching movies together or whatever it might be. We want it to be a time of joy. Isaiah chapter 25 verses 8 and 9 says, He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. So, uh, we want it to be a time where we say, Behold our God. And we do that in lots of different fun ways, uh, but it's about joy in Him. And we hope it's a joyful time for you in Christ as well. One thing that stuck out to me this year as I was reviewing the Easter story is just how Jesus um, chose to go through all the suffering prior to actually getting placed on the cross. And He wasn't looking for a way out, but uh, He made the choice to um, endure the suffering yeah, knowing it was going to lead to his death. And along the suffering, he had the ability to get out of the situation um, that he was in and avoid the suffering. And how that's a model for our lives as we should strive to follow Jesus' plan and the direction that God is giving us, even though we may have the power to avoid um, discomfort and persecution and uncomfortableness, um, but that we should have strength and continue to follow God's direction because God loves us and His direction is the one we should be striving for. When I reflect on the death and resurrection of Jesus this year, I am most affected by God's eagerness to love me. He alone demonstrated that by the crucifixion of His own Son. God doesn't call me to fight evil. He did that. God doesn't call me to heal. He does that. He has entrusted me with sharing and spreading his truth and walking in holiness. Jesus is my leader. I follow. He does everything. It's the great exchange. He doesn't ask me to exhaust myself with works or to carry heavy burdens. Just simply turning away from sin and trusting him. That's how gentle my Savior is. How amazing his love is. Romans 4, 7-8 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Hello, everybody. It is an honor to be invited today to share a prose, Crucifixion and Resurrection, Today and Tomorrow, From Life to Death to Life. In Ecclesiastes, it is written that it is all meaninglessness. 
but our faith in God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit give us a reason to all prepare to one day life with the Lord, the Son, and more. All is meaninglessness. Being a training for tomorrow. What a today. What a tomorrow. How can I send you many Easter blessings? Amen. Hi, everybody. I have the privilege of being asked to share something with you today, this Easter. I hope it encourages you what Christ has done for me in these several months as his witness and servant. Uh, I wrote it down, so I'll read it. This past year has been the most challenging of times I've ever known. I've been through trials and tribulations that seem difficult to bear. And honestly, I've traveled in darkness I have truly not yet understood or probably ever will. But I know and trust that he will use my suffering for good purposes and meaning. I can rejoice with all of you this day, and I can rejoice that I can still praise him in my storms, and I can still raise my voice and sing, knowing he's with me and walks along with me in these valleys I'm in, leaning on his strength, for I have very little left of my own. One thing I wanted to share is that I am so thankful, and it's so absolutely wonderful, the care Constantine and I have received from our church fellow brothers and sisters in Christ these past several months. We would have never known or experienced such a beautiful, loving kindness had we not been put through these trials and been tested before all. Words can never express the gratitude my heart feels for such care and support. I hope I too can share such blessings to others in their times of need. I love you, my church, my body. You've been such a wonderful support. I thank you for the light that you have shined on all of us. I wish you a very happy Easter, remembering his suffering for us, an undeserved gift of forgiveness and hope. These are difficult days and hard times for everyone. I hope you're all safe. I ask that you please continue to hold us up in prayer, for there are hard days ahead of us, that's for sure. Again, happy Easter, remembering Christ. Hello, everybody. Good morning. I hope all of you are okay. Uh, Take care of yourself. I'll read something which uh, I wrote down to share some of my thoughts with you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, first I would like to thank you for all the love and care you have shown to us. During these difficult and challenging times, I always felt the Lord's love and grace through the peace he gave me. For the last few months, I had spent quite a bit of time in the same hospital, first with my injury, then with Paul's last days. I have seen so much suffering and ugliness. I am so astonished that the Creator of the universe volunteered to suffer the most humiliating death for creatures like us, but also the joy that one day I will be resurrected as He was and there will be no more suffering and ugliness. Seeing so much hopelessness and fear in those who rejected him around me, I'm so grateful for his grace and mercy, but especially for the blessed hope he gave us that one day will be 
living in a joyful life in the new heaven and new earth. May God bless all of you abundantly, protect you and keep you safe. I love you all. Well, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I found those to be really heartwarming and wonderful uh, to hear and to see. It's just great to see uh, your faces. And um, on Friday, uh, we had a, a Good Friday service led by Leah and James. And then afterwards, we um, tried out a little meeting on Zoom. And uh, there were about 12 to 15 of us that were on there. And again, it was just great to see one another's faces and to hear each other's voices. Uh, so I hope uh, those short reflections were a blessing to you. And um, I know for me, especially hearing from Constantine and Ava about how, um, just how the church has reached out to them, um, I'm, I'm just really encouraged by that because um, we are meant to be Christ's body. Um, we are Christ's body, but we are meant to manifest His love for one another. And um, I just want to encourage you um, as a church that uh, despite all of our weaknesses and failings, um, it seems like the Lord has used us to really bless this family who has gone through such a difficult year. And um, that is just wonderful. And I know that that pleases the Lord. And um, let that be an encouragement to you. And let's continue really um, putting an effort on holding one another up in prayer and encouragement and practical help because this is a hard season for many people and um, it may continue to be difficult for quite some time. And so this is especially a time when we can step up this aspect of our calling and manifest the hands and feet and the loving heart of our Savior for one another and for the world around us. So now, uh, let's go into the sermon, and I'd like to just pray briefly and ask the Lord to bless this time. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would use um, <clears throat> the words of, uh, of David as he preaches your resurrection. Lord, speak to our hearts, move us, change us, and build up your church even as we cannot gather in person, Lord, the word is not bound. You are not bound. And your word and your gospel are powerful. So Lord, by your spirit, empower this now and accomplish your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I would like to greet you in the name of the Lord as we celebrate Easter together. He is risen. And for 2,000 years, people of every race, language, and color have remembered and celebrated this. If you're like me, you probably have memories of Easter as a child. I was brought up a Catholic, and as a child, I remember Christmas being a joyful time, whereas Easter was a time where joy was present, but it was mixed with mystery. The mystery of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. There were many things that I did not understand about Easter. There was a person that came to Jesus at night. He also saw mystery, but did not quite understand it. Jesus said to him, you must be born again. I believe Jesus was saying that if we want to benefit and participate in a life connected to him, if we want peace with God, joy in our lives, religion is not enough. Living according to our moral code will fall short. 
and ignoring our need, especially in these trying times, is unwise. When I was 19 years old, I took that step and I was born again. And for the first time, I began to understand some of the mystery of Easter. I understood more fully that Jesus was born, lived, died, and rose from the dead, not only for the world, but for me individually. And I made that decision to receive him and follow him, and I was born again. This morning, I would look to look at the account of the resurrection found in Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible, please open to Matthew 28, 1 as I read the passage. As we look at the passage this morning, I want to highlight two simple points, the timing of the events and the testimony sent from heaven. So now I'm going to read from Matthew 28 and verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now let's pray together. Lord, please help us as we look at your word. Please help me to speak in a way that would please you. And please bring your word, your very word, deep into our hearts and help us change to be the way you want us to be, to live the way you want us to live. Amen. Well, the first thing that I noticed in Scripture this morning is the timing of the events. It says in the very first verse that we read, After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Whenever we discuss timing in relationship to God, we have to keep in mind two things. God is eternal, and we had a beginning. The fact that God is eternal is clearly seen in the scriptures. The psalmist mentions this and writes, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In practical terms, that means if we had the technology to peer back into ancient times, we would find God there. And if we could insert ourselves into the distant future, he would be there waiting for us. Because from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. The second thing we have to remember is that we had a beginning. The Bible records this in Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis 2 notes the conclusion of this creative process. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. 
From this passage, we see and understand the concept of the Sabbath. And in our text today, the phrase, after the Sabbath, reminds me of this creation story. To me, it is an echo, a reminder of an earlier time of innocence in our history, a time of beauty, a time of abundant life, the absence of difficulty, of violence, personal hardship, or even harmful viruses, a time where there was unhindered relationship with our Maker. Our earliest ancestors invited darkness and death into our paradise, our paradise of beauty and innocence. On a side note, let's reject all forms of racism and bias in our thinking. We have common ancestry, even though whether we're a believer or not a believer, most people agree that we have common ancestry. We are all related. So let's be careful about jokes and comments related to race, skin color, language groups, political affiliation. These are hurtful and unbecoming to a person representing and living for Jesus. We can't be perfect, but we can do better in this area. Easter reminds me of something, that God did not leave us alone in our misery. He promised he would work again to fix this situation for us. But the work would be much more unpleasant than his week of creation. This work would involve hardship and suffering and death to redeem us and expel the darkness that our ancestors had invited in. Job seems to say that in the first week of creation, angels shouted with joy. But Jesus seems to indicate that they felt they're very different about this second longer week of restoration and work. When he told the disciples that during the end and near the end of the Passion Week, that the angels will be more than willing to come and rescue him from his suffering. The first reference that we see that God would do something for us is found in Genesis 3.15. Speaking to our accuser and enemy, God says, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In this verse, we see the suggestion that God is going to work again. And this work would span many centuries, culminating at Easter with the death and resurrection of Jesus. This work would cover the Old and New Testament periods and would involve things like the creation and redemption of the nation of Israel. God would use this nation. God would call the nation his firstborn son to be the progenitor of Messiah. It would include things like giving the law. Paul says, that the law was given to be our schoolmaster or to teach us, show us, that we needed salvation. It would continue to work in the period of the judges where the nation was refined and organized. He continued to work during the supernatural recovery from natural harm and tragedy, things like the Assyrian attempt to destroy Israel, and later on the captivity and the emancipation granted to them by Cyrus. And finally, the arrival, ministry, death, and resurrection of Messiah, which we call Easter. When we read, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, we are being reminded that this Easter we are not alone. We might feel alone. We are living in extraordinary times. So we're called to be patient with ourselves and with others. I've talked to quite a few people in the last few weeks, either on the phone or Facebook messaging or different means, and many people are struggling with loneliness, anxiety, 
fear in the area of employment, physical or mental health concerns, family strain, stress, financial worries. But Easter tells us that God never leaves us alone. Looking back through history, we see he has always stayed the course for us. Throughout the centuries, in a sense, doing this second work week of work to expel the darkness, to restore communion with us, and to bring peace and hope into our lives and into our communities. This Easter, amid all the turmoil we are facing, may I encourage you to remember and dwell on what God has done for us. Today we focus and remember the wonderful resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ the Lord has risen today. Many of us have happy memories of being at HCBC on Easter Sunday, singing the great Easter hymns together. Let's thank God for those memories, and let's be hopeful people that by God's grace we will be together again, creating new Easter memories in the future. It will not always be like this. It will get better. What have we seen so far? The opening words of this passage after the Sabbath remind us that God has been thinking and caring about me and you for a very long time. We are not alone. He has not forgotten us. He loves you and watches over you. So how can I remember this when I am filled with anxiety? How can I remember this when I'm distressed? It's fine to preach a sermon, but how can I implement this? The people in Isaiah's day lived through great times of trouble and turmoil and anxiety. And Isaiah gave them wise advice that I try to follow. Sometimes I do well at it and sometimes I fail miserably, but I do try. Isaiah 26.3 says this, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. What does it mean this week for us? I think it means that we should consciously try to spend some time reminding ourselves of God's care for us and transferring a little of the energy that we, that I, spend worrying and spend it instead on the hard work of trusting God because He is faithful and He will never let us down. So we've looked for a few minutes at the timing of, in the passage and now I'd like to look for a few moments at the angel's message to these two women. Matthew 28, 5 says, the angel said this, Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. The appearance of the angel brings some degree of fear and apprehension, and this is consistent with many of the other accounts that we read in the scriptures of people's encounter with the supernatural. Sometimes they don't realize they're encountering the supernatural. For example, Hebrews 13 says we meet angels. We don't realize we're meeting angels. But when we do, when we're allowed to peer on the other side, when we're allowed to see the supernatural, often it brings some degree of fear and apprehension, and it did in this passage. There was a violent earthquake. The supernatural, in a sense, invades the natural world. A heavy stone is moved, and the angel's appearance is awe-inspiring. Matthew tries to describe it for us, and we get a bit of an idea of what it was like. 
when he says that the angel's appearance is was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The train guards are so afraid that they become like dead men. The two women are both shocked and afraid. In other areas of Jerusalem, people are being resurrected. In the midst of chaos and fear, the message sent from heaven brings comfort. Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. In these difficult times, it is good to remind ourselves that God sends us hope and help. And we can see examples of this in the gospel accounts of the resurrection. We're looking at Matthew, but it's also recorded in the other gospels. In Mark's gospel, the women are worried about who will move the stone for them. It's too large for them to manage. But in Matthew's gospel, it shows us that they didn't need to worry because God knew and provided for them long before they even realized they had a need. He sent a powerful angel to remove the stone. In Matthew's gospel, the women are clearly distressed by the sight of the angel. But in their time of distress, God brings comfort to them. The angel's first words were, Do not be afraid. This is a message for us this Easter. We tend to worry, and sometimes we even have fear. But in the end, God will remove the stone for us. And he's planned the solution many times before we are even aware that we, that we have or we will have a problem. God will send us words of comfort in the midst of chaos and fear. So what did the message signify? What is the significance of the resurrection? I think, first of all, Jesus' words and shows, demonstrates, I'm sorry, that Jesus' words and predictions were true and accurate. Jesus spoke of the resurrection numerous times, and here are three examples. In Matthew 12, Jesus said, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. In John 2, near the beginning of his ministry, when he was debating with the religious leaders of his day, Jesus said, standing in Jerusalem, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Later on in his ministry, in John chapter 10, Jesus speaks in more detail, with a little bit more clarity. And he says, no one takes it from me, speaking about his life. But I lay it down of my accord and... I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So the first thing I think the resurrection shows us is that Jesus' words, Jesus' predictions, Jesus' testimony was true and accurate and faithful. And the second thing that the resurrection tells me is the, resur the resurrection provides proof that God is committed to my restoration and that God is committed to your restoration. In the early church, some of the Corinthians did not believe that the resurrection was important. Some even denied it. And Paul wrote a chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and addressed some of these points in that chapter because he wanted them to really understand the importance of the resurrection. Now, today's Easter Sunday, and maybe this afternoon you'd like to 
spend a few moments and open the Bible, and that will be a great chapter to read on Easter Sunday, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. These are the main points in his argument to the Corinthian church. First of all, he said to these believers, listen, there is historical evidence and eyewitness testimony to the resurrection. The Gospels tell us the women saw the resurrected Lord, and then Peter, and then 12 saw Jesus, and after that, 500 people saw Jesus simultaneously. And Paul says, finally, you know what? I saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. The next thing he argues is, if there is no resurrection, then why are you embracing Christian faith? Because the Christian faith is built on the hope of the resurrection. The third thing Paul mentions in that chapter is that to him, the truth of the resurrection is so real that he risked his life daily. And Paul wrote, if there is no resurrection, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? And finally, Paul argues that the resurrection is a demonstration of God's intention regarding what he has in store for you and what he has in store for me. Here's a beautiful section of chapter 15 when he's describing, explaining to them about the resurrection. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us of God's ultimate intentions for us, that he will restore us, specifically that we will be resurrected with all the saints. We will be raised imperishable, in glory, and in power. As we live out this finite life which God has given to us, we do experience a lot of joy, but also measures of pain, measures of suffering, Memories, measures of things that are resolved and bring us unresolved and bring us difficulty. As we live our lives, we're not immune to the effects of aging. We suffer pain, we have health issues, and some personal hardship. The resurrection of Jesus assures us that God has much more for us, and it is not a vague hope, it is a guarantee. The Bible ends trying to explain this guarantee to us with beautiful words. And John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. What have we seen this Easter Sunday? That God has been at work looking out for us, and caring for us for a very long time. And I don't believe he plans to stop anytime soon.
And secondly, the resurrection gives us assurance that we too will be resurrected. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The Lord has risen. Happy Easter. Stay safe and be blessed. Amen. Well, thank you, David, for that sermon. Um, Now it just remains for me to close in a benediction. And uh, this week, um, I, uh, I came across um, some teaching on the, the benediction in Numbers, the priestly benediction, which is well known to many of us. Uh, and so, uh, that reinfused it with special meaning for me this week, and so I want to close with that. So, for all of you who are listening, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you His peace, His shalom. And all of these blessings we know are only ours because of the victorious resurrection of Christ. Goodbye.